And, uh, and so that's good. Anyways, welcome back uh, this evening. We are in a study going through the book of Revelation, a study which is about the great revealing of Jesus, uh, of who Jesus is, of what he's like, how good, how powerful, how worthy, how wonderful our Savior is, how the champion of heaven, how, ama- how amazing Jesus is. Now, like many of you, I am in the process of reading Matthew. Actually, I finished reading Matthew. Um, and so this read-through of Matthew for this week was the most unique, interesting, and in some ways, wonderful reading of Matthew I've ever had. And the reason is, is because while I was reading it this week, I had in mind Revelation Jesus while reading the book of Matthew. And, and, I, and as I was reading these stories of, of Jesus, I'm thinking, oh yeah, but the real Jesus, the Jesus that, that is now, that he is magnificent and mighty and, and, and full of power and glory. And, and before he, before he um, became flesh and dwelt among us, he, he had this same glory before. And, and, and now in, when I'm reading him in the Gospels, I'm so aware of his humility and what he, what he um, set aside as he took on, as he walked and he dwelt and tabernacled among us. And, and so I was just so struck at the humility of Jesus, the, the Jesus that now needed to sleep, that was, got, that, that was getting hungry, that, that was grieving, that was, that was being crucified. Uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I, I hope as you uh, are reading uh, Matthew this week, you, you can even keep in mind, oh wow, this is the same Jesus we're talking about. Um, but, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. We live in a day and age that is lost quite a bit of the wonder and the, the wow of God, of God and who he is in our generation. Maybe it's, it's wounds. Maybe it's because God doesn't work on our timeline very often and we want things urgently. And now maybe it's because of disappointments. A lot, a lot of Christians these days are feeling quite a bit guarded about, about God and, and maybe cynical at times. Maybe, maybe hopelessness uh, goes up and, and, and expectation goes down. And so in, in our study here in Revelation, what we're trying to do is we're trying to, to just peel back, peel back and look at the reality of what Jesus is genuinely like now, what our God is like today, and rediscover that wonder and the, the, the awe of the God that we worship and our Savior Jesus. So three weeks ago, um, we started looking at Revelation chapter 1. And we saw this magnificent picture of Jesus, Revelation Jesus, eyes on fire and, and um, face glowing and this sword coming out of his mouth. And the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus has hair and it's white and white as snow. It really goes into the hair thing. I was a little bit sensitive to that. And so he just, yeah, great, Jesus, you've got hair. And, and th- so we have this Revelation chapter one, Jesus is amazing Jesus, which, which reminds us that he's not the same uh, as what we we read in the gospels he's the same jesus but he's now glorified and, and and amazing he doesn't sleep on the boat anymore he's he's powerful and mighty so after looking at jesus as he is now we started looking at him as he walks among his church as he sends letters to his churches that he's amongst and we realize wow there's there's correction and there's encouragement for for many of the churches and, and yet none of the churches are perfect, and, and yet Jesus is there with them. So that's where we've come through to, chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3. Today we're beginning a new section in the book of Revelation as we open to chapter 4. Now, I told you a few weeks ago that in Revelation chapter 119, you see a basic outline of the book, very basic. And in Revelation 119, it says this. It says, Therefore, write what you have seen, and 
John had just seen this image of Jesus, of Revelation Jesus, Jesus as he is now. And then it says, what is, and now we've just, we've seen him interact with the churches as they were right then, okay? And then now, and what will take place after this? Chapter four, verse one says, in that verse, it's gonna say, now, what will take place? What must take place after this? We are shifting now to what, what is going to be taking place in the future, in the very least, in the future from, from John's day and, and when he's writing this. So this is a new section in the book. And just like the book began, this new section again begins with another glimpse of heaven. Another glimpse of, of God and and. That's how the book began. That's how the this, this second section begins. Now, why does it do that? Well, because it's going to get a little bit dark. It's going to get a, a, like chapter one, amazing Jesus, and then the churches. Oh, man, that's, that's not all that good. And before we looked at how it wasn't all that good, we, we started by looking at Jesus. And in the same way, it's going to get a little bit rough, but we're going to start this section, first of all, looking at God. And so we're going to focus on our glimpse of heaven on, on these things as we look today. We're going to be focusing on worship. We're going to be focusing on wonder and the worthiness of God. Worship, wonder, and the worthiness of God. Now, if you've been around for a while, I am about to ruffle your feathers. I am going to begin today in the unprecedented way. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're used to how things flow around here, um, I'm going to begin with the challenge for the week. <laughs> what? I know, you're like, great, I can, I can head out now. That's just why I come to church, for the challenge. Okay, no, uh, no, you can't head out. But I'm going to give you the challenge now, and then it will help you to have that in mind as we go through today. So here's the challenge that, for this week, is I want you to do a six-minute timed Hey, Siri, set the timer for six minutes. Boop, boop. Okay, six minutes and counting. Yeah, that sort of thing. A timed six-minute out loud praise session with two minutes for the Father, two minutes for the Son, and two minutes for the Holy Spirit. So you're just going to send two minutes just praising God the Father for, for who He is and what He has done. Now, we're not going to talk a lot, a lot about the Holy Spirit today. We're going to talk about the Father and the Son. And so maybe you're thinking, okay, I don't know exactly what to say about the Holy Spirit for two minutes. Well, if you need some guidance, you can look in John 14, 15, and 16. But maybe just to kind of remind you, the things that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, He is our comforter, our guide, the seal, the guarantee of our salvation. He comforts us so that we can comfort others. He, he, re reveals, tru he reveals truth to, to us, and, and He helps us uh, with the Scriptures. He helps us respond to the gospel of Jesus. He helps us believe in, in Jesus and be saved. Uh, he gives us spiritual gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts, and He works in us the fruit of the Spirit. That's why we call it the fruit of the Spirit, the attributes of the Spirit's presence. He, he's cultivating those in our lives, like love and joy and peace, patience. Th those kinds of things, okay? So um, you, you just, for two minutes, you just, Holy Spirit, praise you for, for working in my life peace and joy and love. I could use a little bit more, but, but thank you for, you know, you do that. You, you know, so you're just praising God about that. Anyways, easy. <laughs> so we're going to give that a go for, for two minutes, um, two minutes, and, and we'll keep that in mind as we go through our passage talking about the worship, wonder, and the worthiness of God. 
Let's look at it today. Um, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 4, and I'm going to start reading from verse 1. John, they just finished the, the letters. After this, I looked, writes John, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and a throne was set there in heaven. One was seated on the throne, and the one seated looked like jasper and carnelian stone, a, a rainbow that looked like an emerald surrounded the throne. Around that throne were 24 thrones, and on the throne sat 24 elders dressed in white clothes with gold crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God, or the Holy Spirit, the sevenfold spirit of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were in the middle and around the throne. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside day and night. They never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was who is and who is coming. The one we're looking at right now is God the Father. This is, this is, this is the, the throne room of God the Father. Jesus is about to enter the picture in, in just a moment. But this is how God the Father's throne room is set up in heaven as, as John sees it. And also we've seen other people in the Bible glimpse this same, the same environment. One of the most important things to, to pick up here is that this is the throne room of God the Father which is set up exactly how God ideally wants his throne room set up. This is God's ideal worship environment. If you go to any church that's trying to make a claim that, no, this is how God wants to be worshiped, or this is how God wants, if it's not like that, it's, 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 it's a little bit different, okay? God, this is what God's ideal worship environment is. It's how he designed it to be. He's surrounded by um, elders who have been cleansed, uh, robed in, in white, and they are, uh, he's also surrounded by angelic creatures, living creatures, along with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they're, they're, they're worshiping God together. In this worship environment, we are, we're dazzled by how awe-inspiring and mighty God is. John is, is struck by the wonder of the appearance of God and the Father. And friends, I, I hope that as you, you go through this today and maybe as you go through it again this week later on, you, you're just reminded, wow, this is like the, the incredible appearance of, of our God, the, 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 the mightiness of God, the, the, the amazingness of, it, of His glory. And I, I want you to grab onto these glimpses of heaven. You need to grab onto these glimpses of heaven. As I started saying a, a few minutes ago, in, in, this, in this book, when we're a few chapters from now, we're going to start looking at the world in its worstness. When, when evil just, just rises up to be its most vile. And, and things are, are falling apart. But before we look at how horrible things are going to be, we're first going to be anchored in how amazing our God is. That, that, is, that is a tip for life. 
If we start looking at the world around us and we, start, we look at the news and we're like, oh man, Brexit. I, I don't know if you know about Brexit. It's this thing that's kind of going on. Uh, or you're like, oh, the Amazon is burning. Or, or the environment. Or dang it, now we have to be vegan. No. And, and, and all these like, things that are going on. And then you start adding to that the things that are going on in your own life. And, and you're like, oh, uh, the, just the challenges, the worries, the, 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 the fears, the, the, the things that aren't going well. If you look at all those things first, it's miserable. It's miserable. What we need to do first is remember how incredible our God is before then processing, like, what's going on, the challenges. That's how the book of Revelation is designed. Jesus, then the churches. God the Father and the throne of heaven, and then what's going on on earth. That's how, that's how we need to live to keep, to keep focused here. And in the throne room of God, God is being adored. He's being declared to be who he is. The, the, the living creatures are saying, holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and, and who is coming. It's interesting to see um, what it is that in heaven is people are, are, and angels and living creatures, what they're most struck about about God when they're in his presence. It's kind of revealing. It's like, what, what is it that's so striking about God? Well, the, the first thing that they, they note is, is how holy God is. And then how powerful, how mighty God is. How mighty he is. The Almighty One. And then they're struck at how his eternal consistency. He's consistently eternal. He, he's always been and, he, and he's always been all that he is. He's, he's never changing. We can anchor ourselves into that. But in heaven, when they're in the throne room presence of God, that's what seems to be so striking. Uh, there's something very important here connected to, to God and, and, his, and his holiness. It's the very first thing that we see mentioned when, when, when people are declaring in God's presence. When you find yourself in God's presence in the future, it's going to be his holiness that most strikes you. Um, when Jesus taught us to pray, Father, let your name be thought of as holy. Let your name be declared as holy. Hallowed be thy name. Right? It's that, it's that holiness piece. Now, the fact that the angels, they start there with holiness, that's not the only thing that makes us really um, emphasized. In the Bible, when you want to emphasize something, they don't have italics, they don't have underlines, they don't have bowls, they don't circle it, they don't have boxes around it, they don't have arrows, they don't even have emojis, right? They can't be like, ha holy, or holy, you know, I, I don't know what, 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 what emojis we got going out there for holy, but I'm sure there's on fire, yeah, right? Um, so they don't have the emojis to, to help us understand that this is the big deal one. And so in the Bible, they do different things. They, they, um, they might take a word that's singular, like El, Hebrew, God, and they'll make it plural, Elohim, meaning God. Right? That's, that's, what they're, that's what they're doing for emphasis. They make a plural for emphasis. Or if they really want to emphasize something, if they, if they, want, to, if they want to just make sure that you totally get it, and they really, really want to emphasize that they do that. They say the same word twice. Really, really want to emphasize it. They want to make sure you get it. You get it. Yes, amazing, amazing. Right, okay, they, they double say it. Some of those are bad examples, forgive me. Uh, so so then they, now there's one and only one attribute of God ever given a thrice-repeated emphasis. 
Old Testament, one time. New Testament, one time. Both in the throne room presence of God with these living creatures. And each time in Isaiah chapter 6 and here in Revelation chapter 4, it is the word holy, holy, holy. That is the most dominant attribute and, uh, of, of our God. That, that just jumps out in his presence. It's the first declared, and it's the most emphasized of any other attribute of God in the Bible. It never says, hey, um, we're in the throne room presence of God. Love, love, love. Now, God entirely loves us. He makes that clear. He is loving. He's gracious and compassionate, slow to become angry, abounding in lo love and faithfulness, and quick to forgive. But when you're in his presence, you're struck by how holy he is, how unsurpassable how just incredibly holy he is so they're they're struck here by his holiness his mightiness and his internal consistency and, and then you see these glimpses of the throne room presence of god but this is not where it stops worship is just taking place and then it continues in verse nine whenever the living creatures give glory honor and thanks to the one seated on the throne it says in verse nine the one who lives forever and ever the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne, which is God the Father, worship the one who lives forever and ever, cast their crowns before the throne, and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things. And because of your will, they exist and were created. Now, because we're going to look at several worship moments here in, in Revelation, uh, there's, there's three different kinds of things that are being, uh, three different kinds of things that are happening when God's being worshipped because of his worthiness. The first one is God's being worshipped. He's worthy because of who he is. And we saw that, like, holy, 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 or the Almighty. Like, that's, that's who he is. Another way that he's being worshipped for being worthy is he's worthy because of what he's done. Here it says, you have created all things. Why are you worthy of worship? Because of what you've created. Now, you can tuck these things away for your two minutes out loud. What, who he is, his attributes, what he has done. And then thirdly, what he's worthy to receive from his creation. He's worthy to receive glory and honor and, and power. The elders here, they've been clothed in white, and their response to, to God the Father via these living creatures, when they hear the worship of the living creatures, they're, it's like they're struck by the truthfulness of just how incredible God is, and they, they fall down, and, and they worship, and they, and they worship. Why do they start worshiping God? Because of his worthiness, and, and they, they make a declaration, he's worthy because he, he created everything. Everything, every, you are worthy of worship because we exist because of you. Be, because of you, we exist, and so you're, 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 you're worthy of great worship. Now, in our generation, uh, there's, there's people, I know it's hard to believe, there's people out there trying to come up with theories about how all this came together without God. Like, I, I know, it's, it's out there. Uh, and so people have these theories, and they've got these flows of how it comes. But I guarantee you, when you have your moment and you're standing in that face-to-face -face with God, and you're standing face-to-face -face with God, this is going to be your response when it comes to how did, we, how did this all come together? Oh, I see. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, 
okay, you, you made it. When you started the Bible, it wasn't all that mysterious. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. And here, and here you've got the, 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 the people who are in God's presence being like, you're worthy because you made it. You're worthy of all of our worship. You're worthy of everything because, because you made it all. As a result of, of both who God the Father is and what he has done, he's worthy to receive from, cre- from all of his creation glory. You're amazing. Uh, honor to be declared as the powerful one. So that's this incredible glimpse of, of God the Father in his throne room, in his throne room splendor. But John sees something in his hand, in his right hand. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of the one seated on the throne a scroll with writing on the inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. I also saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even look in it. And I cried and I cried because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or even to look in it. Okay, so you have the scroll that's in the hand of God here. And, and it's a bit unusual because, A, it's got seven seals, which we know now the word seven has to do with perfect or complete. It is perfectly sealed. It is sealed as sealed as it is possible to be sealed. It's perfectly sealed. And then it's also got writing on the front and back, which is also unusual. Usually the scrolls only have it on one side. And now some people are like, what's the scroll? Truth is, we don't know what the scroll is. But some, some of the people have, who have uh, theorized out there, some say, and I think this is an interesting one, uh, it's the scroll in Daniel. Daniel chapter 12, where God, Daniel's given this revelation of the end, end times, and then he's told to seal it up and, and to save it for the end. And he's like, really? Can I, can I, no, no, seal it up for the end. No. And, and so some people say that's the scroll we're talking about. No idea. Um, other people would say that it's, it's the title deed of the earth. It's the title deed of the earth. Um, others have said, well, it's the Bible or it's the rest of the book of Revelation or, or things like that. There, there's other theories about there. I, I'm not, in t- I know that it's connected with the earth because of what's about to happen. I know that it's, it's as the scrolls are being broken, it's, it's entirely connected to what's taking place here in the end times. But the question isn't necessarily what's the scroll? Is this a new scroll or is this the Daniel scroll or is this something else? The question is, who is worthy to open it? And, and heaven isn't fascinated by like, oh, look, it's a scroll. It's, have, it's fascinated by who can open this scroll. Somebody needs to open this perfectly sealed scroll. And, and we, we discover that sinlessness didn't qualify you from opening it. So no angel who, who, had been, who was sinless, they weren't qualified to open it. No purified, even the greatest saints of the ages, the, the 24 elders in the throne room of God, they're not qualified to open it. No one who's ever existed like Moses or anybody, no one is able to take the scroll and, and open, open the seals. And, and John finds this heartbreaking because there's, there's, there's something needs to happen. This, the opening of this scroll is, it, is, it, is crucial for God's justice and his, his goodness to be, to be poured out on the earth as we're going to see in the next couple chapters but, but then he's crying there's no one able to open it but then there is one and we see this in verse 5 then one of the elders said to me stop crying look the lion from the tribe of Judah the root of David has been victorious so that 
he may open the scroll. He's been victorious so that it wasn't about sinlessness. It was about Jesus' victory. Oh, this is Jesus. I just gave it away. We're talking about Jesus here. Uh, as being victorious so that he may open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw one like a slaughtered lamb standing between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders he had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God or the Holy Spirit the sevenfold spirit of God sent into all the earth he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of the one seated on the throne okay so this is Jesus this is Jesus our second powerful glimpse of Jesus here in this book the lion and the lamb now notice John hears he hears that it's the, the lion has been victorious but when he turns and he sees he sees a lamb looking as if it's been, been slaughtered not a lion but, but a lamb now I don't know if you, if you spend a lot of time thinking about this, this, this scene in heaven I realized that my mental picture needed a little bit of adjustment um, I was looking at the book I bought the book for that has all the, uh, the charts for the books of the Bible with, from the Bible project it's up there in the balcony if you want to see it um, and I took a picture of this here and, and I looked at the lamb that looked like it had been slaughtered I'm like oh it's this gross it's like massive like throat gaping thing I guess I would kind of pictured it as like a you know a, a nice um, modest scar maybe just like across there you know kind of like a, a nod to what had been but yeah I, I actually think like when John's looking he's probably looking at something a lot more gruesome a lamb that looks like it had been slaughtered right uh, I, I know that's just gruesome I'm, I'm sorry I even had to put that up there we can take we can take that down so that you don't just start vomiting with the grossness of it all anyway so uh so you have this sense of john being struck by the by this image of jesus the lamb that had been slain the the shocking news is that no one was worthy except the one who had been slaughtered brutally not it wasn't jesus in his lion victory might but it was in his his humble sacrifice as an innocent lamb now this lamb, though, it's, it's, it's humble. It it's, it's, looks as if it's been slain, but it's, it's extraordinary. It's got seven horns. Seven meaning perfect. Horns are about strength. It is perfect in its strength. It is all-powerful. It's all-powerful. It's got seven eyes. Seven eyes. It's, it knows everything. It sees everything. The, the all-knowing, all-powerful lamb of God. That's, that's the imagery there that had been slain. So this Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, as the sevenfold Spirit of God, this Jesus takes the scroll, and, and what happens? Well, it says in verse 8, when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp and gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sang a new song. You are are worthy sorry i'm laughing I, I just keep thinking it'd be funny to just sing but but i'm not going to do that uh, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you redeemed people for god by your blood from every tribe and language and people and nation you made them a kingdom and priests to our god and they will reign on the earth even though worship is happening throughout these chapters this is the only song that's sung it's the only song that's sung now i want to make a comment and i want to be sensitive about this comment and, and and you know me i can be extremely tactful and sensitive i try i try my best um you don't have to accept it we're not going to fight about this one 
in, in all of this section here when it's coming to worship, this is the only one that's sung. The rest are spoken. They're, they're declared out loud words of praises like what you're going to do for your challenges. Also remember, this is the throne room of heaven. This is God's ideal worship environment. It's, it's his most, as he exactly wants worship to be taking place, it, it, this is what's going on there. And, and we can see here that all of those have, uh, all the others, they have harps. They have instruments. They're, they're, they're instruments there accompanying this song. It's not just a cappella. And, and this worship song in God's throne room isn't from the Psalms. It's not from the Psalms. If you come from that background, I absolutely love a good a cappella psalm singing, and I know God does too. That is not my point at all. God loves a good a cappella psalm singing. Praise God. Sing your hearts out. But the one thing that you can't do is make the case that that's God's ideal. But God's ideal is how he has it in heaven. And, and, and you've got some harps there. You've got this, this song there. So just don't cross that line. Enjoy the psalm singing if, you, if, if, that, if that's what you want. Is that your preferred way? But, but don't cross the line. Revelation chapter 5. Anyway, so I'm just going to gently back away, dodge the throne items from some of the people in the church. And here we go. So uh, that's God the Father. That's God the Father. He, he's being worshiped. In the last chapter, now, now Jesus is being worshipped. He's being worshipped because he's the slaughtered one. And as a result of that, he's redeemed all kinds of people. Not all people, but people from every tribe and nation. Out of those who have given their lives to Jesus. Remember, the book of Revelation is a bit like a sequel to the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, same author, John writes about um, how he writes that book so that you would believe, and that by believing, you'd have life in Jesus' name. That's, that's why he wrote the Gospel of John. In the sequel here, those who have believed and have life in his name, those are coming from every people group, every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Um, and so because of that, Jesus is being worshipped, and he's made them to be a kingdom or kings, says, says some manuscripts. Priests to serve God, and they're going to reign on the earth. The worship of Jesus is, is connected by what he's done, not only that he saved people, but he's, he set them up in, in, in glory. He's, he's glorified his own people. So that's the way, uh, that was the worship from the four living creatures and the 24 elders. That's, that's what was going on there. And now all of a sudden, it's like heaven's just going to explode with a million angelic voices. Uh, 10,000 times 10,000, thousands times times thousands like 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 a million voices or more it's, it's just meant to be this extraordinary explosion of, of worship in heaven and we see this in verse 11 then i looked and i heard the the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the, the elders it's like they join in this worship moment their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands it's a big number. They said with, uh, with a loud voice, the lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. So previously, Jesus was, was worshiped for what he had done. Now we're seeing um, that he's worthy of, uh, of worship. Um, what he's worthy of worship, uh, how do I say this? What he's worthy to receive from his, his people what Jesus is worthy to receive in worship. He's, he's, he's worthy to receive power or, or, or authority or, or submission from his people. 
so that Jesus can reign in, in power that way. He's worthy of riches. He's worthy of our riches. Everything we've get, given, he, that he's given to us, we, we, he's worthy of us giving it to him. He's worthy of being praised as, as the, the wise one, the strong one, the, the mighty one, of us honoring him and glorifying him and blessing him. Basically, Jesus is worthy of every possible positive thing from us for what he's done. This hasn't happened yet, by the way. Then I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne, that's God the Father, and to the Lamb forever and ever. The four living creatures said, amen, or truly, or may it be. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Again, this hasn't happened yet. There is a day coming where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The living creatures when, in that future day when they're seeing this worship in, in heaven and all of creation, uh, of every living being um, worshiping uh, and blessing uh, God, uh, they're, they're like, yes, this is, this is good. May it be, may it be, amen. feels like an abrupt point but we're going to pause right here for the week we're going to pause right here we've been looking at the throne room presence of god the father we've been struck by the wonder of god and how worthy the father is to be worshiped worthy how jesus the lion and the lamb is worthy to be worshiped and, and now that the only worthy one has taken the scroll he's going to start breaking the seals and that's what we're going to pick up next week when Jesus starts breaking the seals where he is about to unleash good justice finally. He's about, he's about to unleash the goodness of God for those who believe. He, he's about to un, uh, begin the process of making all things new. There is a very powerful thing about to take place with the lamb and the scroll as he starts breaking the seals. That's next week. But for now, I hope that you're, you're able to pause and you're just like, wow, this is the throne room of heaven. I want to keep this in my mind. I want this to be what I'm thinking about when I'm praying as I'm coming into the presence of God in, in prayer. And I'm, as I'm, I want it to, to be something that, that you know, it impacts your reading of the Gospels this week. Uh, just reminded of how worthy God is of, of our all. Uh, I want it to impact your prayers, your praises, and even your worship. As I said, most of the worship in these chapters is spoken. And so here's the challenge. Surprise, six minutes. Hey, Siri. Uh, six minutes timed out loud. Praise session, two minutes of each. Praising the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, if you find yourself struggling in one of them, I, I, I doubt it, but uh, let's just say, um, just kind of make a note. And, and that can be a good growth point for you. You're like, you know what? I really struggled thinking of what to say for the Holy Spirit. Or I, I, I had a hard time with the Father. I wasn't, wasn't sure exactly where things kind of divided there, what to say about the Father specifically and uniquely. Um, just, it's just good. good there. Give it a go. Give it a go. Uh, I remember this time my mentor on the phone he, he had for an exercise for me he's like Brian I want you to pray for the next hour here and I want you to just your prayer only be praises about Jesus and what he's done okay I'll give it a go and, and I'll give you feedback as you go oh thank you so um, that, that was a good try we'll, we'll start with two minutes and see how, see how that goes okay so that's good um, 
Extra bonus points if you want to draw this or, or, or paint this, this heavenly picture. It'd be pretty incredible to, to, see, to see some of that artwork. Okay.